much horror business driving late at night. Psycho 78, 12 o'clock, don't be late, I said all this horror business. Greetings and salutations, my name is Justin Lohr. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 76 of Horror Business. Horror Business! I don't know why I was doing like you a just sort did of, like a really bad Italian it, was it I thought I was I was going more for like quiet Macho Man Randy Savage no I get that but what you got was raspy Mario okay it's a me that's kind of fitting Mario. because the two movies we are talking about today are like sort of like if you if you <laughs> if you don't know where Spain is they're sort of Italian <laughs> Uh, let's be clear. Our director is Spanish. Yes, but he had different periods, you know, of time where he worked with different people. This was during his filming in Spain, but only working with Americans. Period. Yes, but he definitely had more of a European period, and he definitely had a England period as well. He's actually one of the few like B movie directors who has different like stages to. You know what I mean? Like a lot of B movie directors, you would say like, yeah, they put out some movies, whatever. They had a style. Well, there it is. But he's like, this is this phase of his career, and this is this phase of his career. And it's like, you know, when I was actually looking at the filmography, I was like, man, this man's got made a lot of weird, different movies. Like, all his movies are different. Yeah. What's his name again? His name is Jose Ramon Larez, and the movies we are talking about is our... <laughs> is our... Is our 1988's El Filo de Lacha, a.k.a. The Edge of the Axe, and 1990's Sa- Deadly Manor, AKA Savage Lust. I like Savage Lust better as a title, but I think that's actually not a good title. But in my or mind, a good movie. Stop. <clears throat> we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I do want to say before we jump into our usual Johns, do, were you familiar with this gentleman's work? No, I had no idea this guy's existence until. Have so you haven't seen Vampire spelled with a Y? No. I highly recommend. It's the only thing of his I had seen before, although. We'll get to something else I watched of his as well. But um, he's done a, a wide variety of things. I would say these two might be his most horror movie things, although he has one other movie in this period where he was doing more traditional slasher films. Okay. Uh, but his other stuff is a little bit more like unsettling movies, mm. movies that are unsettling, mm. unsettling movies. Mm. You might find them unsettling. Mm. Mm. Like what? So I watched one called Whipcord. Okay. No, Whirlpool, sorry. He wrote House of Whipcord. That's why I'm getting confused. He wrote actually House of Whipcord and Frightmare, but Frightmare, the British one, not the weird American one in the cemetery in Hollywood. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. No, he wrote the British Frightmare, Mm. and then he wrote House of Whipcord. Uh, But Whirlpool is like a... A uh, movie about a uh, photographer. It's you ever see that uh, movie um, Peeping Tom? I have not. Well, you've seen Psycho. Yes. You could say Psycho began a cycle of movies about um, weirdly weak and effeminate men who, in like weird ways, uh, murder women. So Peeping Tom is like an extension of that. Oh, okay. And then there's a whole bunch of British films of these like sort of like gross they're not they're not menacing in the way that we think of a gross psycho killer you know what i mean like they're not um they're not chose you know joe spinell is this like 
in Maniac is this like seething, sweaty ball of whatever. But there's like a menace to him. These other characters, it's more like you don't know they're menacing until they do something crazy. So that's sort of what Whirlpool is. This photographer, he manages to photograph someone who is in distress and then wants to do that again, becomes obsessed with that idea and sort of recreates this moment of hurting a woman so he can get a picture of it, basically. It's weird. Uh, yeah, it was good, but it was it was definitely upsetting, you know? In fact, you could say compared to his earlier work, I think the movies we watched were kind of like upbeat and silly, which hmm. is like not how you could describe any films he made before he started making slashers. Interesting. That all of, at least, okay, to be fair, I haven't seen all of his movies, so I can't say that, but just watching the special features on uh, a few of these films, including Whirlpool, there's a general feeling that his films are like, unhappy dark and depressing you know yeah um and and a bunch of them featured men hurting women until you get to vampires which is about two women ripping apart men so you know i guess uh you know give give what you get or whatever yeah. turn the tables so anyways let's get back into thanking our patreon supporters yes our patreon supporters thank you we thank you you usually have so much I to know. say. I know. This episode is brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. We are eternally grateful for any and all contributions you, seem f- you see fit to send our way. We are the beggars in the road to the castle where the prince comes by and he throws us a little pouch with a string around it. And there's just like a undiscerned generic amount of currency in there. Okay. But we're grateful for that. Okay. So, uh, you know, like I, I, I always say on Instagram or the, the book, I always say we don't do this to make money, but it does cost money to run a podcast network and any little bit helps. So thank you very much. Um, and I know I've said this like the past three episodes, but with Liam as my witness, we do have something special coming up for you, um, our Patreon subscribers. And I think I'm going to do something even more special for you guys. So, yeah. If you're interested in being becoming a patron of the Cinepunks Podcast Network and helping this podcast, our flagship podcast, Cinepunks, our new friends at Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. Yep. Those guys are cool. They have four episodes out. I've listened to all four of them. I just want to point that out. Mm-hmm. All four of them are tremendous. It's right up your alley. We, when I was talking to them, it was funny because we were doing a lot of movie talk. Guys, we did a, like a team Zoom. We were doing a lot of movie talk, and I was like, well, this is, not that they're not movie fans, but like, you know. Our folks, the level of nerdery is so high. Yes. I'm just kind of like, well, I don't know if this is inclusive. I was like, well, let's go the other direction since their show is on, you know, all kinds of manner of weirdness. What, what if, think of the sorts of things that would be on Unsolved Mysteries or X-Files or, you know what I mean? Like, just to give a category, what, what is some of y'all's favorites? And like the... It was interesting because we started off with things that kind of, you know, would would fit. Mm -hmm. But pretty soon we fell into the thing that more fits like me and Josh and a little bit of Evan, which is like things about the government that we actually, which are like probably wouldn't be on the show. But I was like, well, you know, they made it. They created crack and and distributed into the, and Evan was like, well, that's not a conspiracy theory. I mean, that's a fact, man. I mean, that's just real. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I also kind of think that they. I forget what I said when I was on that Zoom chat. I forget what I said. You didn't say anything because you didn't show up for the Zoom chat. No, I wasn't there because I am a fucking lunatic who hides it in my room. Whoa, whoa, okay. All right. I am. Okay. All right. Look, I'm in my room. I'm churning out the next scathing edition of this Justin. Oh, I do think you've been killing it with this Justin. Thank you. This I can't say it like it's your name. I have to say this Justin. This Justin. That's what I was doing, and I was hoarding away my room and 
reworking other things that I constantly rework in my head and in on paper that don't make any sense to anyone but me, and I'm talking to myself right now. Anyway, if too, you want to... Too bad we're recording this. It's fine. It's fine. If you want to support the gibberish you just heard from me and the reasonable and rational dialogue that occurs on our other podcasts, you can go to patreon.com backslash cinepunks. Like I said, any and all contributions are very welcome, and we have some cool stuff coming out for you guys. Um, so, yeah. Cinepunk, patreon.com backslash cinepunks for more info. There you go. This episode is also brought to you by the Lehigh Valley's premier screen printing company, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Now, Liam, if I said to you, I need a t-shirt made that is just an image of Godzilla's son, Minya, with a bullet hole in his forehead. Stop. Where would you recommend that I get that made? I mean, nowhere, because I think that sucks. But you could have it made at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. The latter half of that response is true and correct. <laughs> Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. If you have a dumb idea like I do, <laughs> you can go there and give them your dumb idea, and they'll help you bring it to light. Uh, we currently have not one, but two new shirt designs for Hard Business being gestated there right now. So um, if you want to get a T-shirt made or a hoodie made or uh, like face masks made or um, oven mitts made, you can go there and they'll print on your oven mitt. They'll, they'll print on the oven mitt. We think. Actually, I, I don't uh, actually know if that's true. You could test that. You could be our guinea pig and go test that. So if you're intrigued by this, you can go to www.xlvacx.com for more information. You can follow them on the LVAC on Twitter. Um, again, they're doing a lot of really cool stuff to help out with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, they're making a lot of cool shirts that benefit uh, medical workers because, again, calling these people heroes and flying the Blue Angels over the fucking city of Philadelphia isn't really going to help them. Um, they need funds. They need supplies. And... Chris and Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations are doing their part to help out because that's what we're supposed to do in a civilized society. We adhere to the social contract and we help each other out. So if you want to head to www.xlvacx.com, feel free to do that. I will not make any comment upon Chris's dedication or lack thereof to the straight edge. Now, now comes the time in the podcast when it is the 28th full moon. Oh God. The seventh year. Oh no. In the age of Aquarius. And I light the red candle. And with my right hand, I point to Ares. And with my left, I point down to hell. And I summon the seventh god of Visego. And I say, Visego, Liam is not available because he's not returning my texts. So you tell me, what has Liam done involving horror movies recently? And in the voice of Liam O'Donnell, Visego, the Duke of Hell, he will say, Not much. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, uh, as I was saying earlier, and I th- I'm sure some of you can identify with this, um, parenting under quarantine is different than not having kids under quarantine. And what that means is I'm barely keeping up with my podcast movie watching, let hmm. alone um, adding in extra movies. Uh, the one thing, like I said, I wanted to be familiar with some of our current director that we're talking about for this episode's uh, earlier work. So I watched Whirlpool, which is upsetting. I don't. I guess it's you could broadly consider it a horror movie, and you know we're pretty open minded here about horror, so I'll say it's a horror movie. But it definitely is more of a um, bleak character study than a traditional horror movie. Okay, but enough horrifying things happen in it that I, I you know I think it counts. Um, 
but I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was interesting, and it sort of put our current movies in, in a certain light that um, I could think about. Other than that, you know, there's not really any new horror stuff. The closest I'll get, and this will be upsetting to all of our fans who think that we should take everything super seriously. You know, I watch a lot of kid stuff with my kid because that's, you know, when we're having dinner, she might want to watch something and I want to watch something with her. So we've been watching um, The Last Kids on Earth on Netflix, uh, which is about four kids who've survived the apocalypse. And this particular apocalypse involves zombies, uh, but uh, also monsters from another dimension. And uh, it's not really scary. It's not really horror. But the show in telling this adventure story clearly borrows a lot from horror and assumes you like know about zombies and know about you know various horror-related things. Interesting. So I, I kind of appreciate that about it. Uh, I will say some of the jokes in it are clearly meant for adults, but not in like a gross way. Like there's there's a moment where I'm like, oh, this is a Seinfeld reference, and this is written for ten year olds. I mean, my daughter's three, but she enjoyed it as well. Um, what ten year olds are getting this Seinfeld reference? So some of that I kind of don't love because I it, it feels like um, adult pandering, and I'm like, it's fine. I'm. The show's funny enough. I don't need you to make a Seinfeld reference. The jokes that aren't Seinfeld are still funny to me as an adult. It's not stupid. The show isn't stupid like a lot of kid shows are stupid. So I've been enjoying that. It's kind of fun to watch this like kid show thing, but then occasionally the monsters are actually kind of gross, and I'm like, oh, that's a good, you know, oh, that's that's pretty good actually. Uh, And and it there's a there's a Netflix show. That came out not long ago. I forget what it's called, but it's another like teenager stuck in the apocalypse show, and it's so similar to Last Kids on Earth. Only they're teenagers instead of like. I mean, I guess the kids in Last Kids on Earth are teenagers, but they're written in a way that kids think of teenagers. Gotcha. You know? But in this Netflix show, is live action. These teenagers fuck, and that's like part of the show is like that they're all horny and want to fuck, and. Other than that, though, the similarities between the two shows, I mean, they're not because there's no interdimensional monsters on this live action show. However, the themes of, oh, I'm building a new family now that my family's gone and, oh, this one girl I like, but she just because I saved her doesn't mean she likes me. And, oh, this guy who was my bully is now my friend in the apocalypse. Hmm. All this stuff, I'm like, this all feels very much like... and, And to be fair... The Last Kids on Earth was a YA series. I say YA, which means for teens, but I think it might be younger. I don't know if there's a term for. I thought it. You were just. I thought you were just quoting. You were beginning that Offspring song. That went yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's really good. Jacob, keep that in. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's for young adults, which is I guess what we call teenagers now, or if it's for kids younger than teenagers but it's a series of books and the cartoon is based off a series of books so i guess this is just for parents out there like and i've thought about doing this like doing a patreon only thing where i talk about the kid shows that don't suck because we watch a lot of kid shows um and if you haven't you know if you're trying to look for a way to navigate that that you know i'd I'd love to help out with that but um again i didn't watch it to do something horror related but there's so many monsters and gooey things in it that it's like Still kind of horror related, definitely in yeah. a fun way, you know. Plus zombies, but whatever. Yeah, that's that's wherever you look these days. Zombies are just like, yeah, this is normal. I, I mean, I just love that. Like, you could just put zombies on a show for kids, and kids are like, "Oh, zombies! Yeah, sure." Yeah. Do we need to explain how zombies work? No, they're they know 
They fucking know, man. How old are these kids? Ten? They know yeah. what zombies are. Come on. That's it. That's it. That's, that's all, all I got. I'm sorry. That's, that's all okay. I got. That's fine. I'm currently in the middle of rereading my annual rereading of the stand, the uncut version, because I'm not a poser. I talked a bit up about a little bit about it on the last episode. That book gets better every time I read it. I recently found out that Greg Kinnear. Oh, as who? What? Glenn Bateman. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently Marilyn Manson is the trash can man. I don't know how I feel about that. Man, I don't like Marilyn Manson. Mm. Not, I'm not even saying the casting per se. I just don't appreciate him. Mm. I, I like his. I like him. I don't like him as a person. I like his music. Oh, yeah, you would. Moving along, um, <laughs> I uh, I watched a little movie called Veronica. Oh yes. Well, why don't you break that down for everybody about what that's all about? So uh, I'm a firm believer in the rule of thumper. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Um, I also watched this movie called Butt Boy, which you might have heard of. Yeah. No, uh, Veronica was, um, it was worse than I expected it to be, and that's saying a lot. So I don't, I don't want to like punch down and, you know, kick an already kick to death horse. But I got no real pleasure from it, and I actually felt like a little bit of sadness at how uh, how much dancing had poured into that, and how earnestly he thought, or how earnest he was in thinking he was making a good movie, and how it turned out, and the way people reacted was like kind of a bummer. So yeah, I don't know. I just it, it was just worse than I thought it was going to be. So I don't really want to say anything more than that because I sound like a cynical asshole, even though I, that's what I am. Um, I did watch that movie, Butt Boy, though, despite being skeptical about it. And what'd you think? I really liked it. I really want to see it. It's like high on my list of to watch. It had, um, no right being nearly as good as it was. Sure. And it had no right in making me feel the emotions that it made me feel. I love that. That makes me very happy. Especially because this movie walks, um, if you go to the, go to Cinepunks, the homie Nick Spotcheck wrote a review about it, and... He spends a good deal amount of the review talking about how this movie should not work. Right. But the movie leans so hard into how ridiculous it is that it just punches through the other side and is actually like a good movie. Sure. And not only do they make a good movie in spite of a ridiculous a ridiculous premise, but a lot of it like it's hard to explain. Like the main character himself is not like a character, but his I guess the antagonist of the movie is like a detective who's like trying to solve this. He's like a, this isn't like a, this happens in the beginning, so it's not really a, a plot spoiler. These two characters come in, come in contact with each other because the detective is, starts going to, to AA, and this main character who has this weird rectal fetish where he shoves things up his ass is his sponsor. So that leads to the plot of this movie, which is he's obviously a detective working on unsolved disappearances. Kids disappear because this guy does weird shit. The detective in this movie is such a stereotype and cliche, but again, they lean so hard into it and they do it so earnestly sure. that it just, it works. I'm, like, I'm excited about that. It's like, even at one point, you know, the guy's like, so what do you do? He's like, oh, a cop. And the other guy's like, oh, I didn't want to, I mean, you look exactly like a cop. I just didn't want to assume that. I like that And you're too. like, oh, fuck it. They're in on it and it's self-aware, but not in like a really corny, ironic way. Sure. Um, but yeah, it just... It was, despite the fact it was so fucking ridiculous, just watching it, I was like, this is like a legitimately good movie with like legitimate stakes and 
the the, the characters are, you know, not. They they developed the characters a lot more than they needed to to make a movie called Butt Boy with that premise succeed. Right, right. And they did a lot of work I don't think they had to do. And it it I don't know. It shows. It's a like people keep being like, no, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna watch the trailer. I'm not because it that just sounds stupid. I'm like I'm not being like, this isn't me talking about like Troll Two or Dick Shark or some other fucking dumb movie. Like this is. Well, to be fair, you don't recommend a lot of dumb movies. Like, I'll recommend a movie and be like, <laughs> this movie's fucking ridiculous and it's going to make you mad. And then you will ignore me and then Josh will watch it and go, oh, no, that movie made me really unhappy. And I'm like, yeah, I told you it was going to make you unhappy. Yeah, but this is this is a movie like, like I was telling, um, I was telling my friend Kelly about it and I was like, you got to watch this movie. Like, I know, like, just hear me out. She's like, that's the worst title I've ever heard but you're my friend I will hear you out I'm like okay it's about this guy gets a prostate exam and he develops like a rectal fetish so he starts putting stuff up his ass and then kids start and she's like stop I don't want want to hear anymore I'm like no 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 I don't care I don't want anything to do with anything about children going up a man's ass I'm done I don't want to hear about it I'm like but there's there's so much more it's not a weird movie (laughs) Uh, so yeah but boy it's I gotta jump in and say, since you mentioned the homie Nick Spacek, he we just posted a review uh, that he wrote of Blood Quantum because they just dropped it on Shutter like unexpected because just, it's Tuesday, just midnight last night. We're yeah. like, here it is, here's Blood Quantum. Hope you guys like it. So uh, we got that review up too sweet as as quickly as we could, which I appreciated since as. Justin knows and listeners to the show know I started a review of Blood Quantum way mm. back in October and I never finished it. Interesting. So I'm glad he picked up my slack for me. <laughs> also, we they that retrospective on Bloodsport today that we published yes. that that led us down at the shop because um, it's you know slow because no one's coming in because of COVID nineteen. We watched a compilation of uh, JCVD's greatest uh, splits. Oh yes, that man could do with some splits. Time Cop, man. Time Dude, cop. The, the split in Time Cop was number two. Of course it was. That yeah. that like that was the first JCVD movie I ever saw was Time yeah. Cop. And when he does that, when I was a kid, I was like, what the, whoa, how, what? And it's a useful one. Like some of his splits are just superfluous. Yeah. And that one no, that, like, that's like, I won't get electrocuted. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, good job. I also realized I don't know the difference between Bloodsport and Kickboxer. Oh, buddy. I mean, no, no. I, I've seen both of them. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you. Uh, I couldn't tell you. Like we were like, what, what? well, I know Kickboxer is the one where he puts his uh, fists in the glue and then in the glass. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, I don't know if you ever had this. You ever have a class that was so bad, and the teacher was so stupid that no one paid attention? Because when I tell you the story, it's going to sound like I was a real rebel, and I was not a rebel. I was a good kid. Yeah. And I was kicked out of this class so much that the teacher eventually told me to just wait in the bathroom because if I went to the office, she'd get in more trouble. And there was a friend of mine in this class and he was a troublemaker and his favorite thing to do was to have certain things, non sequiturs, he would just repeat over and over again and the repetition is what would make them funny for him. So he's getting yelled at by this teacher. He just turns to me and in full volume goes, Liam, you ever seen Kickboxer? Kickboxer, it's the movie where he... uh, He's got the gloves, right? And he puts it in the glue, and then he puts it in the glass. You know? Kickbox- you ever seen Kickboxer? Yeah, Kickboxer. They made fun of it in that other movie, the Hot Shot movie, you know, the one? they He does it, it's caramel and uh, M&M's. But in this movie, in Kickboxer, it's glue, and then he puts it in glass. He would say that phrase maybe 15 different ways before he finally would go, 
Oh, were you? Oh, I'm sorry. You were talking. Oh, my, my bad. I'm sorry. So you went to school with a young Vinny Stigma? It was an unbelievable performance. And that was just the one I can remember. He had a list of like six of them that he could just start talking to you about. And he would, the, there was one core idea and he had figured out eight different ways to say the same thing over and over again in a manner that would suggest he forgot that he had already told you this information, but you knew since this is the 30th time he's done it, that this is rehearsed. Yeah. He's, you know, but he would do it every time she started to get upset with him for something. He would just turn to whoever was near him and go, I mean, I'm saying this one again, but he had a few and he would just be like, Hey, uh, you know, kickboxer, you know, yeah. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme puts, he's got these gloves, right? And before the fight, he puts them in the glue. Then he puts them in the glass. You know, and you know when he puts them in that glass, that's crazy. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is going on right now? So when everyone brings, that's the only reason I know the difference between Bloodsport and, oh, do they both have the guy with the very large chest? Bolo Yang? Yes. I don't know. That's, that we were, see, here's he, a, I know he's in Kickboxers. Is he? Right? Or is he in Bloodsport? That's what I'm saying. Which, here's the question. Which movie does he do a split and punch the guy in the balls? Bloodsport. Yeah, you're, I thought it was Kickboxer. No, no, no. Friend no, of the no. podcast, John DeMarkey, thought it was Kickboxer. Is the one where he kicks the concrete pole over and over again to make his his shins tougher. Gotcha. Yes, I know that. Uh, again, the only reason I know Kickboxer is because there's more Muay Thai shit in. So whatever sounds like Muay Thai shit is in Kickboxer. Which is the one where the guy goes, "Maybe fuck." I don't know. Actually, okay. I don't I, like that. Here's the deal. I the only jcvd movie i've watched many times is his john woo movie in which he punches out a snake oh hard target yes yo hard target is legit that shit is good yeah it's weird because someone was saying like that hard target was where woo was figuring out how to work with american uh crews and that he perfected it with face-off and i thought i disagree i think hard target's better than face-off okay moving along i really do i'm sorry moving along it's better than that, that, that. I also watched a little film that was recommended to the show. Fellow Cinepunk Rob Scavarla sent me a copy of Endangered Species, which was about cattle mutilations. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It should have had Robert Forrester in it. Like, it felt sure. like the movie where the yes. main character should have been played by Rob Forrester, Robert Forrester, but it didn't. I, I, but I didn't, ultimately, I, ultimately, I didn't like it because it, it, it spread the propaganda. I think he prefers Bobby. Bobby Forrester. Bobby Forrester. Rest that's, in peace. That's what I, that's what yeah, I call him. Yeah. Let's what I, get the Ouija board out. I, when we would hang out. Let's get the Ouija board out and find out. Before he passed, yeah. when we would hang out, I called him Bobby Forrester. Uh, Endangered Species was good up until the end when it was revealed that it was federal agents doing it. That's a lie. It's it's not. It's not. They're not. They're, federal agents aren't mutilating cattle. Did you see the thing that Rob posted today and his commentary on it? No. So, uh, you know, the U.S. Air Force just, again, was like, okay, guys, we admit it. There's UFOs. They've released this video fucking back in 2017. Supposedly there's some new thing that they just did. I've watched it. There's nothing new. Well, Rob was just like, uh, the U.S. Air Force for years gave fake information to various UFOologists to the point of driving them insane and causing them to, like, ruin their lives and commit suicide and all manner of things. So, I believe it. You know, with all the dishonesty and manipulation over the years why do we think now all of a sudden yeah. they're like no really this time we mean it like come on get the fuck out of here. it's bullshit they keep i have a copy of it they kept for years they were denying no 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 there's no such thing as as cattle mutilations it's sure. not it's just it, it sure. turns out the, the fbi has a fucking a huge file on it 
I'm getting worked up about things that aren't, aren't technically horror. Um, also, not horror-related, but um, I will soon be on a few po- episodes of Geeks. A friend of the show, Al White, is doing it. I'm partaking in his Godzilla retrospective, so I'm working my way through all of the Godzilla movies. I started last night with uh, Godzilla's Revenge, a.k.a. All Monsters Attack, which was a horror show for me because that movie fucking sucks and I hate Godzilla's son with a passion. That's why earlier, apropos of nothing, I brought up a t-shirt of him with a bullet hole in his head. I hate Minya. I hate that entire fucking movie. It sucks. It, it's terrible. So, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. So, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to talk about 19... 19- 88's Spanish-American slasher film directed by Jose Ramon Larez. Edge of the Axe. We'll be right back. Six women, one man, all dead. Edge of the Axe. Cheryl's a cool kid with a keen computer. Now that he's met Lillian, the lines of communication are definitely open. It's called Icarus. You can ask it anything you like. But the readout spells trouble. One minute, what happened here? And murder is the mode. What shape is that body? Hamburger meat. A killer is loose and the whole town's on edge. Edge of the axe. Gerald, why do you have the names of all the women who were killed in your computer file? Oh, she's coming this way. Bodacious Tata. Roderick, you have a little something going on with Rita. Rita had your name and number in her phone book. The other night I asked my computer to check the hospitals to find my cousin. And they released him from a mental hospital two years ago in Patterson. Are you spending too much time with this girl and those stupid games that you play? You know, you're gonna get in trouble and you're gonna have microchips for brains. Almost all the women who had been killed, they'd worked in a psychiatric ward. Christopher. The situation is terminal. Can Lillian deprogram the killer before he catches his next victim? No! 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 Well, now you got two more, Doc. I tell you, this place stinks of death. The other night I had a dream, and Charlie was walking towards me smiling. He was carrying a bloodstained axe. He said he was going to kill me. Charlie, is that you? Edge of the Axe. It's a great night for bad dreams. And we are back to talk about 1988 Spanish-American slasher film, Edge of the Axe. In Spanish, Alfil del Hacha. The film centers on a masked maniac murdering people in a rural mountain town in Northern California. Now, 
uh, Liam suggested these movies because he had them on Blu-ray and, and I don't think he'd watched them yet. And it was just sort of like, eh, let's do a Laraz double feature. Um, I have a soft spot in my heart for uh, Spanish horror. I think Tombs of the Blind Dead is amazing and I want to do an episode on it soon. Um, so I was like, yeah, sure. Let's watch a Spanish, Spanish slasher. Uh, and you, attentive listeners of the show, will know that I'm not the world's biggest slasher fan. True. I'm not a card-carrying member of the Guild of Slasher Lovers. That's fair. Liam told me. He texted me. He said, look, man, Edge of the Axe, stylistically, it's it's a little stylish. I don't know if you're going to like it. I took that as a challenge. And oh, I, I didn't mean it as a challenge. I, well, it was challenge. I, you challenged me. All right. I like this movie. I like this movie a lot. Sure. I'll say what I like about it. Clearly, the look of the killer was a ripoff of Michael Myers. Yeah. But it was still stunning. It was still weird. It looked like... It, yeah. You know what it looked like? The chameleon from the Spider-Man comics. Yes. Um, the kills were fucking brutal. Very brutal. Uh, and I don't mean brutal as in like they were like... They weren't particularly creative. Um, but it... Like there were no cutaways. You know what I mean? It wasn't like... It wasn't like the Savini, you know, machete to the head and Dawn of the Dead where you're like, oh, they did that with some sort of camera trick. Or sure. when you see like someone get like hit in the face with a hammer, you're like, uh... I know they didn't really hit someone in the face, but I don't know how they did it, but that's camera trickery. I was watching this movie, and I was like, I don't know how they fucking pulled that off. Well, and you know, that might make it sound like there's super gore. There isn't super gore, but what he does to make up for the lack of special effects money is show you people who look like they're actually suffering. Oh my God, yeah. Like, everyone who gets murdered in this film is giving the best performance they've given in the whole film. Yeah. The rest of the film, they might have sucked. They might have delivered lines that did not land. But when anyone is getting murdered in this movie, Mm -hmm. I don't know what he does to get these performances out of them, but you're like, is that guy getting actually chopped? What was the one? Is he getting chopped? The the scene with the fingers. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It's I didn't see that coming at all either. A lot of times, like, again, I'm not trying to be cynical, but a, a lot of times... Um, the sorts of gore you see in a movie like this, it's predictable. You go, oh, that guy's gonna, uh, now he's gonna get the whatever, the whatever. When this person's hand got chopped, I was like, oh shit, what? Oh, ah, okay. And then they, you know, then we got them screaming, looking at their hand. Look, this isn't a realistic movie. Like, this wasn't like snuff film quality, but this was more realistic than, say, I don't know, the opening of Halloween where Michael kills Judith. You actually see the blade of the axe going to these people. You see these people suffering. You see these people in fear and pain and agony. And it's just an intense movie to watch. Um, that's what struck me. That's what hit me most about it. Um, there's like kind of sort of a twist at the end that I don't think it hit as hard as they meant it to hit, but I still enjoyed it. Because they, I mean, this movie's old enough that we can spoil things. Yeah, okay. So when they were talking about. Um, so basically, like this. Okay, let's let's back this up a little bit. Uh, this is like a, a uh, an obscure town, and like it's supposed to be Northern California. It's definitely filmed in Spain, but it's supposed to be Northern California. <laughs> and there's uh, two dudes who are buddies. One is uh, married to an older woman. The other one is like a computer dude who's kind of an outsider. He's just moved there. He's kind of like. He seems a little weird. He's he lives our, in like a geocentric hut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's our main dude, but it's never clear if you should trust him or not. And he falls for a girl who 
uh, side note, seems way too young for him. Like the casting is like yeah, super gross. I mean, it's a sp- it, it, it's a Spanish director, so I guess that's not a big surprise. But part of me was kind of like, I know that this woman is an adult, but she doesn't seem like an adult, and I don't like that. Yeah. Um. And so as their relationship develops, these kills, various murders are happening, and as the movie sort of moves forward, um, I think the suggestion is supposed to be that maybe he's the killer. And at a certain point, uh, he shows up. This the, the woman has also had a number of weird experiences. There's a couple of things that sort of maybe complicate her character a little bit. Bada bing, bada boom. He shows up. He's got an axe. She's like, oh, my God, you're the killer. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, no, I am not. You see, she had been telling him for some time about a brother that she has. Uh, I thought it was her cousin. Cousin? I thought it was her cousin. Okay. She, yeah. Some relative that she has. Yeah. That has had a variety of experiences. And in this big scene, he's like, there is no relative. You are a crazy person. And, you know, you've been killing people. You're, you're, yeah. And he like ties it back like you killed this person because, yeah. you know, reminded you of someone like her father was, was, was unfaithful. So she killed... Yeah a local woman who was rumored to be promiscuous, et cetera, and so forth. Big, big, so all this stuff happens. She, of course, doesn't believe him, tries to escape. He comes out. The police see him with the axe, kill him. She's so upset, hugs, I don't know if it's a cop or a family, hugs somebody. Yeah. And then we get a last look at her face, and she's smiling. Because she's the killer. The the reason it didn't work for me, you can say, I, 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 I hate to steal it, but what didn't work for me was actually not the idea of it, but the movie works in a way where you're supposed to be like, I don't know, maybe it is her, maybe it is him. Oh, yeah. I don't know. And in reality, I'm going, before he even shows up, I'm like, oh, she's the killer. Yeah, she's because she, she, she kept talking about this fucking relative. Yeah. And I was like, I bet that guy's not real. I don't know who the killer is, but that guy is not fucking real. And so the stinger of her smiling at the camera doesn't work no. when for 15 minutes he's been going, yeah, no, she's the killer. And then he shows up and says she's the killer. And I guess you're supposed to go, well, that guy's just crazy. Because he even walks in and he's got like, he just looks like menacing. And like, you're like, he doesn't like, they're they're trying to make him look like the killer. Right. Well, so this is the problem with the red herring, right? Is that if you've watched enough movies that have a red herring, and to be fair, this movie doesn't rely on it to wear that the way that Gialli often do. Yeah. But the Gialli influence is there because a lot of American slashers, not a lot, but a chunk of American slashers, you'll notice, are not mysteries. You see who the guy is. Like Slumber Party Massacre. You know it's a guy with a drill. There's yeah, a, drill and a really cool jean jacket. You, at no point are you like, maybe one of those girls is drilling people. <laughs> you know, like you know it's drill guy. Yeah. Or, you know, Friday, Friday the 13th, there's a bit of a switch, but all the sequels, you know it's Jason. There's yeah. no like, except for the, the shitty one, you know it's Jason, and then it's just someone pretending to be Jason. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, in the European in the Italian Gialli and then the slasher movies that take from Gialli they rely on the mystery more and so I think that's what this movie ends up doing is like who is the killer who could the killer be um, and uh, because I'm familiar with that structure I'm already thinking whoever is obviously the killer is not the killer. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how a red herring works. Liam can smell a red herring from a mile away. The, well, what I'm saying is I wonder if someone's watching this movie not Constantly wondering which red herrings are what, maybe that experience of the ending would be different. But I think for us, it was like, as soon as he shows up all wet with an axe and shoes on that look like the killer shoes, you're going, well, that's not the killer. There's no way that's the killer. Because he'd have the mask on. 
and then he'd pull it off. See, there was a second. There was there was one moment when he's like, "There is no Charlie. You killed this person because they reminded you of such and such, and you killed that person because they reminded you of such and such." And she's like denying it, and I was like, "Man, that's really that's an interesting exercise in gaslighting if that's where they're going with this." Oh, it's, sure. You know, yeah. Like I was for a second, I was like, "She's given a really good performance." Like I don't, you know, are they going to do a thing? Like it it, it would have been. It would have been interesting if they had done the thing where, um, primal fear. Sure. But like unknowing, like, w- you right, know, where the person right. just doesn't know. Right. But then it's very clear that this, you know, that little impish smile she gives at the end, which is fucking corny. You know, like, I really like this movie until the ending. I actually don't mind the ending if it was not so obvious that she, w- again, this is just my view on it, but I had been thinking she was the killer for so long. Because it didn't seem like it was him. And yeah. I'm like, again, this is the other handicap with a movie like this. There's no other good options. No. Like, there's no one else. They needed a few more characters that you could go, well, maybe it's Tommy or maybe it's little Jim. Yeah. I don't know. You know, but you're just going, well, there's only two people it could be. And it's obviously him. So it must be her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The more they were like, I don't know, this guy's kind of creepy. I'm like, well, that was, means he's not What the if killer. it was the computer that was like, that's true. It could have been the could've computer. Could have been the computer. There's so many times where she's trying to contact him, yeah, you know, and it's always done in a way that suggests that he's unavailable, quote unquote, away. He's away. So what's going? There's okay. So let's back this up too. I we mentioned this guy's a computer dude. There's this weird internet thing going on. Only there's no internet yet. So there's something about a database or something. All of the technical language in this movie feels it's fucking positronic brain bullshit. Okay, I want to say, because we're kind of busted on the movie in a way, so let me back up a, a little bit to it and say this. On the special features for, I don't even think it was for this movie, I think it was for the other movie we're going to talk about, uh, the producer was talking about uh, working with Laraz and having worked with him in England on Vampires, and he was saying that for him, um, Laraz uh, excels when there's less of a script. Because dialogue is not really his strong suit. And that visual storytelling and haunting imagery in the style of uh, a lot of people compare him to like Fulci. Okay. Uh, or I'm trying to think who else. There's other people that compared him to. But anyways, that he's more got this visual storytelling and that the actual writing isn't that big a deal. And, and I feel like having watched Whirlpool, that's very true. Like Whirlpool very much feels like characters talking past each other. Like, people are saying things, but it's unclear how those things relate to each other. Yeah. But in Whirlpool, it works. It builds on itself. It, it it almost makes it more upsetting. In this movie, there's a little too much dialogue. And the part of the dialogue that is talking about the computers, for anyone, born, anyone alive after 1990, you're going, this doesn't work. This isn't right. This yeah. isn't how these, work. these things work. What exactly are they tapping into? Like, what? No, I, I, I think it was like a an electronic, slightly more sophisticated version of like two tin cans on a string. Right, right. Because like, when we say they're like on computers, this isn't even, they're in like DOS, barely. Right. It's literally black screen with like green letters. Where are you? Where are you? No punctuation. Why, why aren't you answering me? Where are you? <laughs> why aren't you at your computer it's, right now? It's such a, uh, I don't, it's, it's such a, 
It's the way my grandfather would envision computers 20 years ago. Sure. So I, I bring that up to say, though, I do think some of that visual style is still present in this movie. I think it's filmed very well. Absolutely, yeah. And I think the 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 actiony bits, the chasing and the cutting and the things that aren't people trying to relate to each other with words are all very good. And, yeah. And, and not subpar for a slasher movie. It just... The other parts, like the characterization, are kind of subpar, well, and I think hold the movie back. Yeah, I mean, it, it excels. It excels at what makes a good slasher good, but it fails at what makes a great slasher great. If that makes any sense. Okay. Okay. You know, sort of like uh, remember how like Slumber Party Massacre? That's a great movie, right? Because uh, it excels at everything. Right. This movie gets most of it right, but what it doesn't get right, it gets very wrong namely sure. these people are like cardboard cutouts of of you know like um there's not a lot of great writing yeah i have to confess i watched this movie um i watched a spanish dub of this movie oh really so with, with subtitles, subtitles? Yeah. okay so there's the one scene where um that's interesting because i watched the english thinking i was cheating but then I found out that they, it was actually filmed in English. It's filmed in English, yeah. 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 It, yeah. So um, there's a scene where two characters. Uh, what was the the, the the computer guy? His name was um, was that Gerald? Yes. So Gerald is telling his friend um, Richard Simmons, I believe. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, I'd hang out tonight, but I got a date." And his friend is like, "The the the subtitle read, be sure to practice safe sex." And I was like, "Hang on a second. Yeah, I think we I, like, actually, paused, I, I I think the English I, is actually like you got a rubber or something. Exactly. Like, like I actually sat down and like thought about it. I was like, no. I mean, first off, I would never no real human being would ever say like like it, if I was like, yeah, it, I got a date tonight, Liam, you would never be like, yeah, make sure you wear a condom. No person <sighs> would do that. There was a time where people I felt like talked like that a little more. Yeah, in the fucking 80s when everyone was afraid of AIDS. Yeah, well, to this their is children. from the 80s, man. I don't care. I would never say like I don't know. I just, I just, I would never say be sure the, to practice but, safe sex. But the, or, yeah, well, that's the thing. You could pick. It is believable, even if it never actually happened, that some jack off would say to another one, like, "Make sure you wear rubber. Make sure you got your Jimmy hat on." Thinking it's like a funny thing to say. Yeah. Whatever. It's not funny. Safe sex is not funny. But practice safe sex. But no one would say literally, "Be sure to practice safe sex." <laughs> Yeah. Fellow human, be yeah. sure to practice safe sexual conduct. Greetings, fellow kid. I hope you wear a prophylactic when you engage in sexual intercourse with this young woman you're going on a date tonight. Also for blowies. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was a weird tirade we just went off. But the whole point is, like, this movie, the writing is clumsy. It's clunky. The actual bits where they try to be like... See what? I mean, I, having watched it in English, I can tell you that it's not as clunky as what you're describing. Yeah. However... It's not great, and I feel like um, I could also say that like, the acting isn't great, but I, I feel like they're, in certain cases, doing the best they can with, like... I mean, you know, he's not... He, my man is not a native English speaker, and um, it's just not his strongest suit anyway. Like, it's just not where he excels, I think, as a, as no. a filmmaker. So, um, it, you know, but all that being said, do I think it's interesting to see... This is clearly an effort to make a standard slasher like yeah he's not trying to like break the genre or something weird like that he's making he, he's sort of i think acting as a like a working director you know what i mean like i don't want i don't want to be diminutive and be like oh he's just like a doing the work director but like 
he, you know, he's he's fulfilling a role on this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, it's kind of surprisingly interesting to look at for a movie that doesn't feel like he concoct. You know what I mean? Like this isn't. It doesn't feel like a dream project. It feels like okay, now I'm doing a slasher movie. This, this, and yet it still is more interesting than a lot of slasher movies. Yeah. This this uh, again, not not to not to shit upon this movie, but this was clearly done for a paycheck. It just doesn't look like it. Like, right, there, right. There there was. That there is a work ethic present here on behalf yeah. of the director that is surprising, uh, given the very obvious nature of the production of this film, which I appreciate because again, it was a, it was definitely, if nothing else, a visually pleasing film. The way it was shot, but I mean, even like the way it was lit, the way like the colors and everything, 100%. It, it, it was just a nice movie to look at. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, if you're looking for, if you're like a a slasher fan. And you want to see something new? You can do worse than watch this movie. I think it's pretty good, actually. Yeah, and and, and I'm a little more stoked on slashers than Justin is, but I I think this is above. Like you could you could say kind of like if we were talking about like hardcore, right? You've got like the the best of the best, and then you've got sort of the the second tier, and then you've got the like you know also played, you know, mm-hmm. like the the bands that never got past an opener or whatever. So we had like Turning Point, Youth of Today, The Gorilla Biscuits. We'll throw chain in there for top tier. I don't like chain like that, but yes. Okay. Liam's wrong. And then below that, you got like um up front. Up front. Wide awake. Bold. I mean instead, I, would you say instead? I would say instead. I think bold actually, it's hard to say. They have a weird place. And also re-listening to the second record, I think I like it actually. Mm, first song, Running Like Thieves, is a fucking banger. Everything else, it just Ooh, I think I also like um uh, looking back, I think looking back is also a banger. Ba-da-da. Okay, it doesn't matter. Look, anyway, here's the point. <laughs> the idea being is that this film, because you've never heard of it, because it's a Spanish director, because it has literally no one in it that you've ever heard of. Yeah, you could easily think this is a also played. This is an opener. This is not a high quality. And I think this this is literally the band open up. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and uh, and uh, and while this is not Halloween. No. You know, while this is not even, in my opinion, stage fright, which we also covered on the show. Yeah, no. It is above a lot of other slashers. Yeah. In fact, I would say better than the majority of slashers that I've been forced to sit through, you know? Um, so Who's I, forcing you to sit through slashers? Um, myself, because I think I'm going to enjoy them. And okay. then I'm like, oh, wait, this is terrible. I thought someone was like putting a gun to your head and like threatening... Yes, yeah, society, society man. man. The same ones who won't get me my fucking Pepsi. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, I like that song. That's cool. Bro. Do you also, when people say, when you tell people you like punk, do you also cite like The Clash is your favorite band? No, I say crass like anyone else. <laughs> no, I say circle jerks. <laughs> Dude, okay. That first circle jerks record is a fucking classic. And I will say, I think is better Mm-mm. than well, but here's the thing. This is a waste of time because I'm only gonna compare it to other first gen hardcore gr- records, and you don't like any first gen hardcore records. That's not true. You like minor threat. What else do I need to like? Exactly. That's the problem. Mm. This conversation can't go anywhere because you've only picked out the straight edge band as the first gen hardcore. I don't need to do like. anything more than that. No, that's not true. Mm. Okay, fine. SSD, a, you're good. A too. ton of bangers. A ton of bangers. Okay. One hundred percent group sex is very good. One hundred percent. The first three Black Flag releases are very good. Yep. Yeah, that doesn't count though. That's like entry level. 
Who cares? This is not all I'm saying is these things are good and it's not worth comparing group sex to fucking Firestorm. You know what I mean? Like you compare group sex. Uh, it's funny to say group sex or whatever. Uh, it, you compare group sex to other first gen hardcore bands. It's not you don't go. Well, I don't think group sex is as good as break down the walls. Well, I mean, first of all, you're wrong because the youth of today sucks. But oh, my God. All, Ray Capo's a bad vocalist. That's the issue here. You're a fucking piece of shit. He's a terrible vocalist. And you're a terrible person. <laughs> Group sex is very good. Anyway, I also... I, I Don't be wrong. I don't ride for a single other Circle Jerks You release. also You also went to Firestorm as if Earth Crisis were my be-all, end-all hardcore band, which is not a fact. It is a made-up lie. I was going to say, your be-all, end-all is Shy Halud, right? No. My be-all, end-all is fucking Turning Point. Oh, that's true. Were you not? This is our goal. Yo, this is the issue with, uh, uh, yo, side note, we are big, I am a big supporter of and a big lover of Axe to Grind, but one of the few things I don't like about Axe to Grind is how they want to remind everyone that Turning Point was not a thing when they were a thing, and only the release of the discography by whatever in Delaware, what's the record label that released it? Jade Tree. Jade Tree. That's the only reason they're a thing. And like... I'm not saying that's historically incorrect, but it bums me out because Turning Point might be my favorite band of that time period. Yeah. Like, honestly. And I know that's a very, like, as soon as I say that, someone goes, oh, you're from the Philadelphia area? Like, it's just such, like, a certain group of people thing to say. Yeah. But fuck it. That's who I am. So, yes, that's who I am. I'm okay with that. I love Turning Point. Yeah. Fuck anyone who doesn't. And I don't love youth today. And we're making a Turning Point rip shirt, so that's fine. Are we? That's great. Yeah. Um, I, and I was listening to Turning Point recently because I was, based on the record you don't like, that bold looking back record, mm-hmm. I started thinking about, that's why I was tweeting about melodic hardcore because I actually think a lot of stuff that influenced later bands like Turning Point yeah. started with that second bold record. Yeah, Tom Capone and his weird, insane guitar work. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I was listening to that, and then I was like, oh, man, this reminds me of this and this. And so I started making a melodic hardcore playlist. But then I realized there's a lot of stuff that counts as melodic hardcore that I don't like. So then instead I started adding hardcore adjacent stuff that mm. I like that is not really hardcore. I also was thinking about that. I also want to add verse to my list of bands. I think that's true, but I think also Stephen Welch had a good criticism, which is, like, sometimes when we say melodic hardcore, we just mean amazing core. Like, a lot of like times... Like hard pop punk? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you know, or you know, whatever. However, people want to think about it, but like, melodic hardcore didn't start with Killing the Dream, and it didn't end with <laughs> Killing the Dream. But like, that's the band that people like, Rivalry Records did not invent melodic hardcore. But even like in my post about it on Twitter, I swear we're gonna get back to hard movies, guys. Um, <laughs> you're even just my, seeing you're just a window in the Liam and I's like other shitty geeky thing that we love. In in my post about it on Twitter, more than half the responses were just Killing the Dream. And I'm like, look, guys, I saw them. I don't hate that band even. But like, no one was like, almost no one was like Turning Point. You know, just a couple of like. That's sad. Only people who I knew like Turning Point suggested Turning Point. Um, no one brought up bands like uh, Falling Forward and Endpoint, which like. Okay. Endpoint played big hardcore. Like, I think Endpoint is completely forgotten. But like, you know, Endpoint toured with real hardcore bands. Even if you listen to those records and you're like, this sounds like shit. Yeah. That's fine. I'm not even trying to judge it at this point because I'm not sure what I think about Endpoint. But it is weird that, like, as a. There are certain bands like Fall In and Out. And it's just funny how, like, I haven't heard anyone mention the name Endpoint or Falling Forward or Split Lip or any of that generation of bands forever, unless they were already old. No one under 40 has said the words 
endpoint in if they were I'm talking yeah. about a band in forever. And it's just funny that people I'm like melodic hardcore and you know, instead of mentioning like the first vision record, people are like, Oh, killing the dream. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, okay. Amazing core. Yes. I'll accept all of that. What other bands are melodic hardcore? With honor. Also, no one said marginal man. But I think marginal man would count. I never got into them. You know, I just liked a couple songs. I think they're a little overrated, but I still think they fit the question in, yeah. in a certain way, you know. Anyway, sorry guys. Obviously, we could have also talked about the descendants, but I think the descendants are also overrated. Anyways, uh Edge of the Axe I think is a a second tier slasher movie. And for some people they're gonna say, Well, I don't care about that. But I a lot of people who love horror specifically love slasher movies. And if you do, I think Edge Edge of the Axis movie you need to see. Yeah. I think a, if you like it, you need to. It's if 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 you appreciate this is gonna sound a little hoity toity of me. If you appreciate the art of a slasher movie, you need to see this movie. This is not a movie, this is not a trash movie. This isn't like a comfort food movie. If you appreciate what makes a, a good slasher a good slasher, if you want to see a great example of that in a film, you should watch Edge of the Axe. Um you know, like we say, you know, it, it doesn't really succeed in um, what a lot of Americans would consider a great slasher film. Um, you know, it, it kind of feels more like a whodunit at times, and it doesn't really work that way. Because, like Liam and I said, you can you're kind of like, no, we we know who we we know who done it. It's it's not the ones they're saying done it. But yeah, I mean, w- w- without deriding it or belittling it all, belittling it at all. Um, if you're just looking for a movie to watch, you could certainly do worse than Edge of the Axe. I agree. Yeah. So now we're going to take a break, and we'll come back and talk about Deadly Manor, a movie that I think we disagree on. That you're wrong about, is what you meant to say. Sure. We'll be right back. Hey, do you know your way around here? Sure do. Who's this guy you picked up? Just a hitcher. He seems to know the area pretty well, though. It's almost nightfall. Let's just stop here for the night. Do you know where this road leads to? Guys, I think you better take a look at this. Someone's up there. I saw them. Whew. Who could live in a place like this? It's insane. Where's your sense of adventure? This house is evil. Seven brutal murders took place. Those are human scalps. What the hell have we gotten into? They're frightened, aren't you? There are culprits in the basement. You're insane. You've created all this madness in your mind. And we are back to talk about 1990s Spanish-American slasher film directed by Jose Ramon Larez. This sounds very familiar. Deadly Manor, also known as Savage Lust. It follows a group of teenagers who seek refuge in an abandoned mansion inhabited by a psychotic killer. What a fucking boring-ass movie this Stop. Is. Stop. This fucking movie was 20 pounds of bullshit stuffed into a five-pound bag which is fucking shocking coming from Senor Larez, who just created this amazing work of film with Edge of the Axe, and then he fucking drops this steaming turd into my lap. I am offended. I am offended, and I am hurt, 
and I am I am just so angry right now. You're so full of shit. Not as full of shit as this movie is. Stop. All right. Oh, oh, bikers killed my wife, who you don't know who that is. You also don't know who I am. Surprise, I'm the killer. <sighs> Defend that. Easily. This movie is clearly meant to be fun. This is a silly, fun movie. In that sense. The way that Veronica is a silly, fun movie? No, because this is actually entertaining. Well, I haven't seen Veronica, but to me, this film is very entertaining. I was amused most of the time. Uh, I will say it's a little meandering, and it is definitely a movie where they clearly got they really clearly got the idea because they had the location. In fact, oh, totally. In fact, weirdly, they actually set the house on fire, so the the ho- the property was sold, and they were going to tear down the house anyway to build like condos or something in the woods there which is so weird because it's like in the woods yeah um and they set the house on fire and filmed it and for some reason it's not in the movie which i think is really weird that they like filmed the house on fire that never used that footage um but yeah i mean so uh this is i think the last movie that uh jose laraz made Is Um, is he not with us anymore Oh, no, yeah, he passed away. Uh, rest oh, in power, wow. senor. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is the last film he made. I, I could be wrong, um, so double check. But uh, actually, I'll just double check right now while I'm talking. But um, but to me, this film is not quite a satire, but it is a silly, like, okay, let's... He passed away back in Sept- September, September 3rd, 2013. Mm. Um, but it's. I don't think it's a. it's a very serious film. I think it's a film that is meant not meant to be taken particularly seriously and i think it is a film that um is kind of trying to play with our expectations a little bit um and uh having a killer who is also sort of this like uh almost like a sex symbol sort of thing is i think meant to mess with us um in fact the the star She's not really the star, but the the killer in the movie. I guess this is it. This is his second to last full movie, and then he right before he died, he did a TV miniseries. Um, but he only did two episodes of that miniseries. Okay. Uh, so after this, he did a screwball comedy called Sevilla Connection. Okay. Which I love that that's a fact. Um. Uh. Side note: the other slasher movie I was trying to remember that he did is called Rest in Pieces. Came out in nineteen eighty seven. Uh, he he was listed as Joseph Brownstein, but he it's no, it was Jose Larraz. Um, okay, so uh, I think Deadly Manor is meant to be uh, a bit goofy, um, and I think it's uh, meant to you know by having a a female killer uh, and her husband, but really her husband is just sort of an accessory to her need for revenge. Um, and Did you say? Her need for revenge is a savage lust. Well, and I do think there's a bit of a money grab here in that the woman who starred in it was kind of a known entity. You know, mm. she was kind of a B-movie scream queen. She had done Playboy. She's very much like a a horror sex symbol. And so, um, at least according to her interview on the Blu-ray, she was the first person. She didn't... Uh, audition she just was signed the movie was existing because of her so i think the movie's trying to capitalize what's funny is she's not in that much of it no she does have an extended sex scene but 
if you take out that extended sex scene, she really just has a couple of scenes with weirdo makeup and screaming, which, by the way, is great. Good for it's her. It's fine, yeah. I'm glad that she, that's 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 what she was able to do. But um, I think, well, I like the movie more than you did. Um, I will say it suffers in a few areas. One is there are no endearing characters at all. I kind of, the only thing I really, I'm not going to say I liked it. Sure. Because I can't admit to being happy about anything. Stop. Uh, I do like the fact that the character Jack is such an officious prick. Yeah. Who is very clearly like not even bothering. They're, they're not even trying to hide the fact that like, we think he's the killer. Like, oh, sure. think he's the killer. Like he is, he may have well have been wearing a, like a white t-shirt with an actual herring fish colored red on his shirt. Like, hey. Um, Everybody look at me. Hey, check it out. Hey. Um, I do like the fact that that guy was just like so confrontational and just like, like there was one scene where some character like doesn't even mention fighting him, but he's like, well, you want to fight? You think you could take me? The guy's like, no. He's like, <laughs> constantly like, yeah, we should, we should fight. It's like, oh, okay. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I just thought that guy was, uh, it's so fucking stupid. It was funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So, my inclination is to defend the movie because I know that you did not enjoy it. But let me be really clear. Uh, this is not great. This is not a great movie. And it, it almost isn't quite a slasher movie. The movie plays with the idea that this, for a while, it feels like it could be a ghost or it could be something supernatural happening. And then when it's revealed what is happening, it is a little bit weird. But again, I think it's supposed to be funny, especially when a fake wall explodes open and a huge pile of bodies come out. Yeah. I think that's supposed to be actually fun and funny. And my favorite part is that, you know, in all these movies, um, almost all these movies, the killer has to die, right? The killer has to die. And then we come up with some bullshit reason. They're not dead for the sequel. Yeah. And I love that Mr. LaRaz was like, no, you're alive at the end. So I can have a sequel. Which he never got to make, but he was oh, just like, no. "You got you got to live at the end, so we can do a sequel." And I thought, "Well, that, well okay, that's good for you. That's a that, that we finally see a killer put in handcuffs, put in a car. What's name name me the the list of slasher movies that end with this killer going, "Ah, I'm caught. I'm gonna get you guys. All right, I'll get in the car. Here we go. Call my lawyer. You a know, Nightmare on Elm Street. No, that doesn't happen. Psycho. No, stop it." Friday the Thirteenth. No. <laughs> I hate you so much, but I, you know, I liked I liked that aspect of it, but it did very much feel like almost like a Scooby Doo ish thing, and I think that that is intentional. That he actually over spookifies the movie, that he makes it more creepy than a slasher film need be. A slasher film plays off of like voyeuristic, like I'm watching you in the dark and I'm holding a knife, and this movie's more like. Maybe it's haunted. Woo! <laughs> oh, turns out it's not haunted. It's just a weird old couple. It's just a weird old couple, and they're mad because her face got fucked up. She doesn't even die. Like that's the no. funniest part. She didn't even die in the accident. She just got uh, to be crass, a melty face. She was maimed. Her face is melty. Yeah, she's but, she's got a mild case. But Justin, of... she was so beautiful before. Mm. She was so beautiful. Yeah, but you know what? But Justin, she was so beautiful. Lots of people are beautiful. <laughs> lots of people lots of people are beautiful and get attacked by roving gangs of bike marauders. I mean, to be fair, this was the uh the end of the eighties, beginning of the nineties. I don't think 
bike marauders really went extinct until 1992. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it, deep in the heartland, there are sure, there are still gangs of. I haven't seen it in a movie recently, so I don't. Oh, no, 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 not recently. No. <laughs> I mean, look, this is such an opener. There's just you know, this is 1990, and slashers are old hat. So I, I just, I guess I just watched this thinking. I think this dude has some idea of what he's doing. However, I will say this. This is the same thing I said about the last movie, but I think it's even more true of this movie. Too much talky-talky in this movie. Yeah, not enough falky-falky. <laughs> Jesus Christ. First of all, the last movie had no falky-falky. No falky-falky. And this movie has a weird extended sex scene that's just like this dude's dream, I guess. Yeah, a little too much falky-falky. <laughs> too much spectral falky-falky. Um, the, in the special features, uh, both... Uh, director Laraz and the actress who played the killer uh, told an extended story about how she had never done full nudity before and he like talked her into it but then the male That's not creepy but then the male actor was like I'm not doing it until you clear the whole house so they had to delay shooting for hours so they would clear the set because he was fucking Mike Pence he was unwilling to let anyone see him nude and she just in the interview she's like I'm the one with my cookies out Everyone could see my cookie. She called her breasts her cookies. No. She called her... She's done lots of booby shots before. Oh. She had never done full nude. She called her vagina her cookie. Oh, yes. Her cookies is what she kept saying. Interesting. But then she was like, she's like, you know, in my contract, I specifically had no nudes. But then when I talked the scene over with Dr. Laraz, I just really trusted him. And if you watch the movie, you notice I could be wearing a coverage or something and you wouldn't even know because it's just so tastefully shot. And I was like, oh, that's fair. But all that was to lead, like she's saying all these very nice things about Director Laraz, which I thought was the point of the story. But it's actually a lead in for her to call out what she referred to as this prima donna pussy boy. Whoa, is that a direct quote? Yes. That's amazing. Who refused to get naked in front of people. And what's funny is she doesn't say anything about his appearance. She just says what a pain in the butt he is. Then they show the interview with uh, with Director LaRosse before he passed away. And he tells the same story, only he talks about how the guy was covered in body hair. Just oh. just crazy. And he's, he's like, I guess that's why he didn't want to get naked because of all the body hair. And I was like, oh, wow, you're a lot less kind than this other woman was. And she called him a prima donna pussy boy. Yes. She just was really like, look, um, no one's looking at you. Like, this whole scene is about me. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know why you're causing a multiple hour delay because you're nervous about people seeing you. So, Fucking people. Actors. The point is, um, I get why you don't love this movie, but I was entertained by it. I do think it's not as good as Edge of the Axe, which is the opposite of what I expected. Because I had heard more people, or not heard, but I had seen more people speaking of this movie than Edge of the Axe. I don't know if it's just the cover's more striking or whatever, but people, there's been chatter about it. So I was more excited to watch that. Whereas Edge of the Axe, I thought, this is just going to be a standard slasher. It's not going to be that interesting, whatever, whatever. In retrospect, I kind of feel the opposite. Like, I think Deadly Manor feels a little less passionate. It feels yes. like there's less investment. I think there's some interesting decisions, and I think, again, as I already said, the corpses falling out of the fake wall is actually great. But overall, it's less engaging than Edge of the Axe. This definitely feels like a paycheck movie. Mm. Uh, who was uh, who was this written? Was this was written by 
it's not gonna I'm not finding any credits by oh screenplay oh well Laraz had like a like had a had a small hand in writing it so I guess it was sort of his creation but I think that's part of the reason the script is bad <laughs> like I think his di- I think his dialogue is not great again I don't mean that as a harsh people love this dude and I'm not trying to piss anyone off you don't speak ill of the dead no, well, and well, sometimes I do, but not in this, not in this case. And and I, and like I said, I think I, you know, I think he's probably great. And I have a couple more of his movies thanks to Arrow, so I'm gonna watch some more. But uh, but dialogue just doesn't seem to be the strong suit in either one of these movies. And it feels like there's even more chatter in this film than in the other one. There's definitely a lot of chatter. There's a lot of like inexplicable decisions that I'm like, we like again. I don't need high art in movies I watch. I don't need every movie I watch to fucking blow my mind. But the scene in the beginning when they get to the to the mansion and the one girl's like, I'm gonna go to town. I'm not staying here. It's evil, Justin. Yeah, I'm like, well that girl's gonna like that girl's gonna die now. Yeah. And again, I wasn't like, I'm not gonna watch this movie because the girl's gonna die and that's not what I want. But it was just such a transparent vehicle for a kill. Sure. And that's that just feels cheap in a way that I don't like. I guess I didn't I didn't feel that way but I I that's probably because I assumed that that was intentional that that's like a like a a decision that's kind of like uh to me messing with what we expect in horror movies anyway. But then they did exactly what you thought they were going to do. Oh, but I thought the way they revealed her kill was kind of funny and unexpected. Mm. Whatever. I, I, I don't think we're going to see eye to eye on this one cause, No, we're not. Cuz cuz Here's the thing. I'm wearing sunglasses right now. That's how we're not going to see eye to eye. <laughs> Here's the thing, and I think this is something I sort of suggested earlier, but I'm going to I'm going to play out, which is that I don't think I don't think you enjoy things that are You could have stopped right there. Stop. <laughs> I don't think you enjoy things that are goofy in horror. I don't I I don't think there's a lot of things we've discussed that I watched and thought, "Well, that's kind of funny and stupid." And you were like, "Oh, I love this." Hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's really the this the super serious, an American World from London. I can't stand that. No, I, but that's, that's different. That's a comedy, and I would suggest the reason you like it so much is it's a over serious comedy. It's a comedy with very good jokes that is dour and unfun, which you will find out in an upcoming edition of this Justin. Oh, sure. But what I'm saying is this is a serious movie. It is not a comedy. There are no jokes. And yet, it is goofy and fun. And I think you don't like that. No, I that think, offends me. I think you prefer... In fact, I would argue American Werewolf London is not only your favorite horror movie. It is your favorite, favorite movie, yeah. comedy as well. Yeah. I, 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 I think it is, because it is, at its heart, gallows humor. And a film that is laughing... While crying, it is the perfect comedy for you. It's whereas, my life. Whereas this film is silly. It and not is... and and the director didn't kill Vic Morrow. Oh, Jesus I'm sorry. I, I I meant to get in cursed films. I I finished that. Oh, I also finished that. And I'm that... never ever that 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 joke I just made right there. That's the last time I'm ever going to bring that movie up. That episode, the Twilight Zone episode of Cursed Films, made me cry. Yeah. To be fair, the Crow episode also made me a little, a little upset. But, you know, the, the the thing that's upsetting about the Crow episode is they have this interview with this guy who's just very much like, oh, you know, freak accident, you know, whatever, whatever. And then other people being like, no, he's he screwed up. Like, either him or someone who works for him 
specifically should have known to yeah, deal yeah. with this situation. Yeah. And that was sort of cut through some of the emotional tension of it because it also made me mad. That was a different experience. Yeah. Twilight Zone, you could get mad, but instead it just felt sad the whole time. Like it just was like, I know where this is going. And this slow march and towards then they doom. they fucking showed it from like two or three different angles. And yeah. yeah, it just made me lose a lot of respect for John Landis. Like a lot of respect. I mean, look, I kind of already knew that in the back of my mind, yeah. but that brought it forward a little bit more. And A lot of respect for Steven Spielberg, too. I feel he could have stepped in and did something. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. The point is, we both finished Cursed Films. Yes. And if I, I, would, I would actually not recommend you watch The Twilight Zone one, <laughs> even though I think it was very... It's amazing, but don't watch it, because it's It's oh, so upsetting. Yeah. Um, anyways... Uh, nothing as meaningful as any of that happened on the set of Deadly Banner. Uh, one guy, thankfully, got, one one guy got sad about people seeing his wang, but otherwise they burned a house down and didn't film it, or they <laughs> burned a house down and filmed it, and didn't use it for some reason. Yeah, that's weird. That's very weird. But uh, yeah, you know, I I I like the two killers. I like the mask that she wears. I like the makeup of her melted face. All of that kind of works for me. But there's not much compelling happening. Like I felt like I feel like if there was like some actually upsetting moment just something to like emotionally get you i don't think you would have disliked this movie to the level you did but there's just there is as much as i'm kind of defending it let me just be really honest there's no gripping compelling part of the movie there's things i like but nothing where i was like oh that was great not a single moment yeah i mean the, the 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 whole idea of this movie where it's like teenagers go to house they have random hitchhiker that they kind of sort of force into their end to give them directions, which is strange in and of itself. They go to this house, they're picked off one by one, and then it turns out that the killer is this woman that they've been seeing pictures of, and, you know, her husband's still alive and assisting her. That on paper, I don't mind. It's the way it was, like, executed that was so just sort of half-assed and... It didn't really make me care when any like when when any of the when any when any of these beats hit, I was just like, okay, like as soon as that guy picked him up, as soon as that guy picked him up, I was like, okay, that guy is somehow involved with the killer. Sure, I don't know how, but he is somehow. He is somehow, and you're like, oh, it's her husband. Okay, cool. See, I didn't feel that way. I thought, oh, that's cool. I, I like that. There's two of them. Like, I appreciate yeah. that. Again, on paper, that's fine. I liked it in the movie too. Mm, I couldn't get into it. I uh, again. this is where we're a little bit different. I think it was like, you didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed it to a certain extent, but there was nothing, I I hate to say compelling, but there's just really nothing intensely compelling. Like, Edge of the Axe had a lot of rough edges here and there, but like, the kills are very good, um, and I I like the, uh, the way that it looks. Yeah. This film was just less visually interesting, I think working in this one location kind of hurt it. You know, this there were no sets. They're just in this house. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think moving a camera around this house didn't really work. A lot of the shots are the same shots again and again yeah. because you know that's the only way they could get... This is why people film on sets, y'all, because you can put a camera anywhere and get what you want. When you film in an actual closed house that you can't just knock a wall out, there's a chance that you can only get like two shots at all. And sometimes that's good for consistency. But it can also make for a visually flat, fucking boring movie. Okay. And the way you compensate to me for that kind of thing is to do something a little more wild. And I think what's supposed to be 
intense about this movie really is the part that neither one of us particularly cared for, which is that sex scene, which I think is supposed to be super hot and is significantly not hot. Like parts of it are funny. There's a part where she like leans back and bites her pinky. And I was like, what the fuck? No is one does that. that. That's yeah. not a thing. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't get me wrong. It's filmed in a way I think that is not, as leering as it could be like i think it's it's trying to be artistic no but but you don't watch i mean i hate to be this dude but no one's watching a slasher movie going well i hope this sex scene is artistically done with respect (laughs) yeah and and with an aesthetic flair i hope it avoids the male gaze like and it's not that it's not that it's a feminist sex scene it's that it's just not that interesting and i think the movie kind of revolves around that and then about the big reveal and uh, you know the only reveals that are actually fun is again a fake wall collapses and a bunch of corpses fall out. That's the only part where you're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. And, and then the killer gets shot by cops, which you never see happening. Like, there's two of them. The dude gets shot by a cop, and you're like, "Oh hey, a cop was useful in a slasher movie." I, I can't <laughs> remember the last time I saw that. Yeah. Granted, that kind of makes this movie a pro cop movie, so you know, mm. half a point off. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't even. I don't know. Like when you're when you're, you can. I'm not. I'm trying to figure out how, how how to say this. This was like I said. It was a visually flat movie, whereas Edge of the Axe was not. And I feel there was a missed opportunity, especially because we've seen from his prior movie that this that uh, Jose Lorez has a knack for getting. I'm not gonna say amazing cinematography or amazing shots, but he's it's a creative. We'll say yeah, 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 yeah. Him having shot on this house and not in a set, they could have at least done something interesting to 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 create like a like a like a mood of 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 paranoia and unease, like um, varied up the eye lines and all that, and 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 broken that up and everything like that, and 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 done different POVs and over the shoulder shots, but they didn't. It just it, I don't know. It just it it felt like it felt so lackluster and and just just dull to look at and maybe it's maybe it's because i watched it on the heels of edge of the axe that it was so glaringly apparent but i I don't know this movie just you know it's when you drink flat seltzer you're just drinking water and that's what this movie was to me i think i think i think we said the same thing a few different ways which is just i didn't feel quite i'm right and you're wrong i didn't feel quite that bad about it but is this a particularly good movie no it is not it's not senor lorez's best um and you know we're covering later in his career uh a few movies that you might want to check out um from earlier in his career like i said i watched whirlpool there's also deviation the house that vanished um symptoms symptoms is actually considered like kind of a classic of psychological uh horror in england okay um so i think that's worth thinking about and this is during his like i said british period so whirlpool uh deviation house that vanished uh vampires and symptoms were all filmed in england and were are considered like part of a specific uh period of his career and after that was a number of spanish language movies that i don't know a lot about um but, you know, I, I think if you start with his earlier stuff and then come to this slasher stuff, it might be interesting. Um, and like I said, uh, if you enjoy Edge of the Axe, maybe check out Rest in Pieces, the movie he did just before that, and see if that fits you a little bit better. I'll be honest. 
I want to defend Deadly Manor because I didn't hate it. But if you actually ask me, do I recommend it? You got to be a completist. If you're obsessed with slasher movies and you want to see a real weird version of one, I think I would recommend it. But for the average horror fan, I can't recommend the movie. It's just there's just nothing about it that really is great. Fair and enough. That's, and that's a bummer because I get the feeling that people love him. Um, and, and a few people really love this movie, but it, it, it wasn't there for me. Fair enough. So I think we're going to wrap it up there. Yeah, man. Um, thank you for listening. Liam, who did you want to thank? Oh, I want to specifically thank uh, uh, editor Jacob. Uh, he basically is our editor and our producer in a weird way. If he lived closer, we'd have him here in the space, you know, monitoring our sound and all that kind of stuff. But he's been editing horror business and cinepunks and some other stuff I've done for Patreon. And, I, you know, we mention him a lot, but we don't get a lot of chances to thank him. So I want to specifically thank Jacob. He's great. He also did all our video stuff when we were hyping up Cineween. So that if you so liked awesome. any of those, that was all Jacob. Um, so I just want to say big ups to Jacob and, you know, to the rest of the Cinepunks family as well, but specifically to him. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. For, thank you. <laughs> What up also to Words editor uh, Anna Ghoul, who's been editing Justin's giant pieces. Thank you so much. And just editing the shit out of my giant best. pieces. Yeah. She's amazing. My just my giant, amazing pieces. Stop. Just editing the shit out of them. Stop. They're long. That's all I'm saying. Hey, I'm a wordy guy. I got a lot to say. What do you want from me? I mean, I prefer them to be. I know a lot of people are like, I like reading things on the internet that are short, and that's just not me. So mm, They can go fuck themselves. I wouldn't go that far. You wouldn't, but I did. Because <laughs> I went there. Oh, you're so oh, edgy. I'm a fucking bad God. boy. You're like, the, you're like the new Bill Maher. Ah, pay phones. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. Um, we greatly you know, appreciate you, you really remind me of Pickle Rick. Have I ever told you that? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> fucking walk in the traffic. <sighs> Thank you for listening. It means the world to us. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, remember to rate, review, subscribe. Download, download, download. You fucking download. Just download. Just fucking download. Um, and head to cinepunks.com where you can listen to more episodes of this and several other great podcasts, including, but not limited to, Wine and Cheese, Black, Black Sun Dispatches, The Evil Eye, Evil Eye, Cinepunks, Fat Girl Hacks, Fat Girl Hacks, Tomb of Ideas, Tomb of Ideas, Weird Obscure, and probably not safe to be around. You're the worst. I am, but I really love that podcast. They talk about ectoplasm, and I, I was know. like, a podcast hasn't made me scream at my <laughs> self. They're going to have to have you on as a guest like oh, ASAP. That's not a good idea. I think it is a good idea. You should at least talk to them on Slack. Be like, hey, I'm interested in these topics. Here's some things that I think you might be interested yes. in. At minimum, recommend them some books. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or some websites. Uh, I mean, I have. Or some secret message boards. Don't, don't, don't. I don't want to put them on the message boards that I've gone to. Mm. I found pictures of aliens hacking up dead bodies. They're fake, but it's p the people who believe that shit are not well, and the people who believe that are very real and very dangerous. Yeah. So, yeah, um, go to cinepunks.com. Um, go to patreon.com backslash cinepunks if you want to subscribe to us become a patron thank you if you have become a patron it means the world to us we have so much neat stuff coming out to you I told him some of my ideas and he got really excited and he, he flipped the table over um, 
shit my pants. He did. He did. Uh, we got some new shirt designs coming out for you guys. Um, we'll be posting that on Twitter and Instagram. So buy some shirts because it feels really good when I get to pack them up and send them out. I just I feel good about it. I feel good putting them out in the world. I get to see the I get to see the nice woman at, at Ace Hardware who who takes my mail. I get to talk to her through a mask because we're in the middle of a pandemic. So just buy some shirts and give me a chance to talk to this nice this nice older woman. Not like that. She's just a pleasant person to talk to. I'm digging myself deeper. She's like my mom's age. I'm not into that. Anyway, <laughs> also check out Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, www.xlvacx.com. On Twitter, they're the at the LVAC. You can go check them out. And until next time, Critters ends in a bowling tournament. Peace. Love that movie. Bye. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!